Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. So friends, we're, uh, we're observing all saints today. A day when we remember those saints of the church and those saints of our lives who've passed. And thank, thank you to all of you who've submitted pictures and, and information about those in your life that you want to recognize today. We're going to be showing those a little bit later, towards the end, uh, end of the service. And we'll also have a time this morning where you can light a candle to honor their memory. And I invite you at home, if you want to get a, to get, you have a little time now to get, sort of get that candle or get, uh, get something that, uh, that you want to, uh, want to use to, to remember the saints in your life who have passed. We recall their lives, their witness, their faith, their influence. We remember how they touched our souls and made us feel perhaps a little closer to the divine as they showed us God's love. We're also reminded of a time of loss. We have the joy of the relationship, but also a reminder of a little time of loss. Perhaps a time when we thought things would not ever be as they were. And in fact, that is the case. Perhaps we wondered how we'd ever get over our loss. We're going to spend a few minutes this morning exploring how God sees us through these times when things seem to go from order to reorder and disorder. So hear this word of the Lord from the Psalms. Hello, my name is Mari Brunson, and I will be reading from Psalm 31 through 4 and 5b. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up, and do not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes in the morning. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mari, for reading the scripture today. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, let us be aware of the Spirit as it moves this morning. Open our hearts and our minds to the message that you have for us this day. Amen. So how was your Thanksgiving? Good? Oh, thank you. Good. Call and response. Okay, this is going to be good. We're going to have a good time this morning. We were talking early in the 945 about, uh, the, about turkey. Yes or no? Okay. Some yes, some... Ah, yeah. We were talking about how, how it sort of used to be sort of... You couldn't really say, I, didn't, I don't like turkey that much. But now that's, we're kind of out now with that. So all I'll tell you is we had steak at our place. So that was, uh, that was, that was our, yeah, it was great. We actually, we had steak at like 11.30 in the morning, which I'd never done before, but I recommend it highly. Our, we, were at our daughter's, we went to our daughter's place in Decatur, and, then, and they were going to an afternoon thing, and so they're like, come, it, come early and eat steak. And like, now we have a new Thanksgiving tradition. So you may be wondering, why are, we, why are we observing All Saints today? Because this is, after all, the first Sunday of Advent. This is not an Advent wreath. Okay, We do have candles, but not an Advent wreath. So you may be wondering, well, geez, why, why, are, we, why are we doing this today? 
There's a couple of reasons. There's a practical reason and a spiritual reason. The practical reason is that we, you know, thinking about All Saints, it's typically observed on November the 1st. And on November the 1st, we were in the middle of a series on contentment. We were also getting moving with our uh, campaign for stewardship. And so, you know, this sort of thinking about loss and recovery, it seemed, just seemed a little bit out of place at that point. The spiritual piece, if you think about it, you know, we're going to enter the holidays pretty frantic pace. Parties and gifts and food and gathering and during this period when sometimes we're kind of called on to put on the happy face, to engage in a little toxic positivity. There are those around, you had to think about that one a little bit, didn't you? There are those, you know, for, the, for whom the holidays are going to be less joyful. Perhaps a little mournful. So perhaps it's timely just to take a few minutes to consider how God has revealed to us in times of loss. So we turn to the Psalms, Israel's hymn book. Psalms of praise, songs of thanksgiving. And then the largest category of Psalms, Psalms of lament. Walter Brueggemann, as an Old Testament scholar, has suggested a, a way of thinking about the Psalms that, that the psalmist used these Psalms during three periods of life, periods of order, periods of disorder, and periods of reorder. What I'm going to call the circle of hope. Circle of hope. So what, what of this, uh, uh, these uh, three, uh, three seasons of life? Think about order. Well, order is, is sort of equilibrium, status quo. Things are fine. If you're, uh, if you're into Jungian psychology, it's the first half of life. Right? Things are moving along. Things are great. In terms of the Psalms... Psalm 133 is an example, verse 1, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. I'll leave it to you to think about when that was. Now, we strive for that here in God's community. But Brueggemann says that this state represents a confident, serene settlement of faith issues. I don't know about you, friends, I'm not there. The second, disorder. The status quo is disrupted. Things are messed up. Something happens. The world collapses around us, and we fall into this deep hole. You know, the ancient, uh, ancient Hebrews did not have a concept of hell, but they did have the concept of Sheol which is deep hole. Back to Brueggemann. Life is savagely marked by incoherence, a loss of balance, unrelieved asymmetry. Yeah. It's a dark night of the soul. Richard Rohr, Franciscan priest, would call this the liminal space. It's the space between what used to be and what's going to be. Disorder. Enter the lament. 
Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? The psalmist thinks God is gone. Disorder. And then reorder. God has lifted us out of the pit. Again, back to Brueggemann, there emerges a new possibility that is inexplicable, neither derived nor extrapolated. Some $20 words there. I'll just say that it happens through God's grace. We don't manufacture it. We don't make it. There aren't ten steps to get to it. It's a gift from God. This is a mystery. Back to Psalm 30. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Order, disorder, and reorder. You know, I, I thought about this. Uh, if, you, you know, if you sort of cock your head, you can go, boy, this cycle is everywhere in the world. You business guys, and it's been a long time since my business courses, uh, but, you know, if you think about creative disruption, right? Companies kind of rocking along. Then you've got to shake things up a little bit before you can get the company to perform at a higher level. Creative disruption. If any of you have ever gone through a software upgrade, you know what I'm talking about. Right? Everything was fine. Why did you order new software? That even happens at home. Right? Order and then disorder. The disorder of the new software. I have to learn how to use it. And then you get to, oh, ta-da! You know, things get better. Child rearing. What is adolescence but a period of disorder? They're little, they're, they love you. You you can kiss them goodbye at the school, and then they get a phone, and then they get to adolescence, and then disorder till about age 25. And then you're all of a sudden smart again. Life is good. And then there's, of course, the biblical cycle. Think about creation. God saw that it was good. The snake comes in. Disorder. You could maybe argue that we've been searching for reorder ever since. And then, of course, there's the story of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. You know, order. Jesus is crucified. Disorder. Disciples running and hiding. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Then resurrection. Reorder. And then, I've been reading the paper, it's like, When will the COVID disorder ever end? I don't care whether you're a a masker or not, or a vaxxer or not. It affects all of us. When is the COVID disorder going to be over? And then, in our personal lives, of course, there's seasons of disorder. I I asked folks to share a few examples with me, uh, and I heard, and thank you for doing that if you were one of those folks, Stories of job loss. I lost my job of 20 years. I didn't, we didn't know what we were going to do. How we were going to make it. Terminal illness. Several stories about the struggles of, having, of trying to have children. Children. 
One particular story. Had a, got pregnant, really, you know, got pregnant, very happy about that. Had a, had the, had the heartbeat. And then it turned out to be an ectopic pregnancy. And then there was some trouble trying to, to, to resolve the ectopic pregnancy. But finally that happened. And then, then they got pregnant again. And after eight weeks, there was no heartbeat. And then they went to the fertility clinic and then they got pregnant again. And they had the sonogram and they took the picture and then there was no heartbeat. Stories of loss. Moving to assisted living, this disruption of life. There was one story about a divorce that was a big surprise and this, I think this person may be still in the middle of this disorder and saying, I don't know what my life is, how's, what is my life going to be like now? This was a complete surprise, but thankfully I rely on my, my church family to help me. Stories of disorder. You know, there's a few categories of disorder we were talking about, ones that we're, where stuff just happens, but sometimes disorder happens because of things that we do. You know, we get a little self-centered. I know when I sort of start getting too into myself and I start thinking about my stuff and the stuff I don't have and the stuff I wished I had and the, and the life that I wished I lived and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I get sort of introverted and looking inside and I kind of forget about what's good in life. And, and so sometimes we bring this on ourselves. Sometimes there's just a general malaise that leads to disorder. My wife and I talk a lot about this. Is that You know, don't you feel sometimes like in this season in the world... There's this notion of kind of languishing, right? We're not depressed, but we're not thriving. Things are just kind of meh. I love the word meh. Seems to describe so much. And then there's things that just happen to us. Disorders of circumstance. And that's a lot of the ones that we just talked about. Disorders of circumstance. Something happens, introduces loss and disorder, an abrupt negative change to life. It's the, it happens to all of us. And any time of disorder is marked by a period of suffering. Now here's a quote. I wish I knew the source of the quote. It's this, it appears... You know, it's a, it's a pretty common quote in, 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 in a lot of sermons, but it's about suffering. Suffering is not God's desire for us, but it occurs in the process of life. Suffering is not given to teach us something, but through it we may learn. Suffering is not given to punish us, but sometimes it's the consequence of our sin and poor judgment. Suffering doesn't occur because our faith is weak, but through it our faith may be strengthened. God does not depend on human suffering to achieve God's purposes, but sometimes through suffering, God's purposes are achieved. Suffering can either destroy us or it can add meaning to our life. So it's important to point out right now that disorder is not God's plan. God does not wish for us disorder. God does not wish for us suffering. 
and something bad happens, you know, that's not God's plan. God didn't plan for those three miscarriages. That was not God's will. God wants us to have life and have it abundantly. But God can use disorder to create. From Isaiah 43, See, I am doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not realize it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Jesus spent a lot of time with the disordered. And he didn't say to the sick, to the man, to the leper, it's like, well, I guess it's God's will that you have leprosy. No, Jesus healed. Jesus entered their lives, dared to take the time of disorder and say, look, I can reorder this. Let me. He couldn't help it. From order to disorder to reorder the circle of hope. God intervenes. Jesus intervenes. The circle of hope is that God's presence can become even more evident during this time of disorder. You know, I used to say uh, the phrase, well, you know, God comes to us in that time. Well, God's always there. God didn't move. We get more in tune, perhaps. We realize those are occasions when that can happen. So what do we, how do we navigate this time of disorder? Three things. One is we learn to lament. In this period of disorder, this time when things are not right, this things, things, even when we're just languishing, we learn to lament. We put a name on the condition. How long, O oh Lord, how long will you turn your face from me? Second, we learn... We learn to wait. The Hebrew word kava means hope, but it can also be translated as wait. Isaiah 40, 31, a very familiar verse to us. In, the, in one translation, it says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. In another translation, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. So the second way we navigate these times of disorder is we learn to wait. And then finally, we let go. What does this mean, let go? This is pretty hard for us, I think. As, as, as much as waiting is hard for us in, in modern society. When was the last time? I mean, I... I have, to, I have this credit card that won't work in the, in the gas pump, and so I have to go inside and pay. That's so annoying. Uh, that's so annoying, yeah. Learning to wait. Letting go is the third. Remember what Brueggemann said? Reorder is not our construct. It, we don't create reorder. It's a gift from God. There aren't ten steps. I don't have that recipe for you today. We have to let go. So if you're experiencing a time of disorder in your life, these three things, it's, I mean, it's not a cookbook, but it's, it's a way to, to manage that time, to move from this sense of disorder to reorder.
You know, Jesus spent a lot of time with people experiencing disorder. If you think about Zacchaeus, sort of self you know, Zacchaeus was a crook. <laughs> he was. He'd brought on disorder in his life by his behavior, and Jesus took the time and said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house to eat dinner because I can bring order to your life. What it, the man possessed by demons, I can't think of anyone, any, any greater example of, of disorder. Jesus enters the scene And the man is sitting among them, clothed and in his right mind. From disorder to reorder. The woman with the issue of blood. She'd spent decades in disorder, wasting her money on quack cures. And she just touches the garments. Just reaches out. Order. That's the power of the Christ. So what do we do? What happens today? Well, friends, I got news for you. We are the Christ. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm coming back. At that moment, you will know absolutely that I am in my Father and you're in me and I'm in you. We, those among us who perhaps are in a season of reorder, are the best poised to be the agents of reorder for others. With Paul, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Or more bluntly, If you look at Mark's edition of the feeding of the 5,000, you remember that story? You've got all these people sitting around, they're hungry. The disciples come up and say, Jesus, what are we going to do? And Jesus looks at them and says, you feed them. And you know what happened next? Jesus took the modest paltry bit and fed everyone and had 12 baskets left over. You feed them. So if you're, you know, we talked about if you're in a season of disorder, how do you navigate that? If you're in a season of reorder, if you have gone through that crucible and now are on this other side and you're in this season of reorder, what do you do to support those your brothers and sisters who are in the season of disorder. Well, first, you acknowledge, we acknowledge the loss. That's the first step. We, we sit with folks and we say, we know we, we're not the experts. We don't have all the answers. We just say, you know, that is really, that is terrible. It's not God's plan. I don't have an answer. I acknowledge your loss. The second is we, we wait with. You know, if you remember the second thing for the, those in disorder is to wait. Well, we wait with. It's sort of the cousin to what Wesley said, to suffer with, to be with. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to older, 
older f- folks who have lost a spouse and said, you know, it was during the, during the funeral and, and the time immediately after that, people were calling me and they were saying, you know, how you doing? Can I help you? And then, you know, after that, nobody called me anymore. And I was still hurting. Waiting with. The season of disorder can be long. And then finally, we're available, we're vulnerable, and we're lovingly honest. Availability. We're busy, I get it. There's lots of things happening. But being with, being available, is so vitally important. Being vulnerable. And this isn't about saying, you know, you know how sometimes folks get autobiographical and, they, and you're having a conversation and you're trying to tell somebody that something bad has happened to you and then they're like, well, let me tell you what happened to me. This was so terrible. You know, and it becomes this sort of one-up deal that's happening, you know? So I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a more, a calmer, a more soothing, a more intimate conversation that is, yeah... That's bad. And in fact, maybe I don't know what you're thinking, what you're going through, but I'm here. That's the lovely and the honest part. So this morning, if you're experiencing disorder, I want you to know there is hope. There is hope in the Christ who is reaching out to you right now. in the form of a neighbor who says hi to you, in the form of a, just a salesperson that smiles and says, you know, I really, you know, I, I want to help you with that today. In the, in, the, in, the, in the phone call that comes that you, hadn't, you weren't expecting, the, the, the Christ is there reaching out for you. If you're experiencing a season of reorder, there's hope too. You are the hope. And you're the hope. And you're the hope. You're the hope. For those around you who are experiencing disorder, who are hurting a little bit, who just who don't want to say anything about it but need to, you are that hope. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. We are not alone. In this church, you've got Stephen ministers, you have pastoral staff, we have caring people right here who've experienced their own seasons of loss and disorder and can affirm that, yes, there is life on the other side. Despite the weeping in the night, joy does come in the morning. Let it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.